All right, we've got quite a bit to cover today, and I'm going to try to do this really quick for everyone because I know we took a little extra time up front. Um, but we are still talking about kingdom prosperity. And again, by prosperity, you know, when, when a preacher gets up and starts saying the word prosperity, folks start kind of getting really nervous because it's been very abused. Um, there's the phrase, the prosperity gospel, all that type of stuff that, that floats out there. And uh, I, again, I want to put everyone's uh, heart at peace. <laughs> we're, we're not, I am not going to ever tell you send in $1,000 to the gathering church and God's going to work a miracle for you, right? Uh, or, or send in five, uh, oh, you need healing in your shoulder? Hey, send in $500, God's going to heal you. No, oh, no, sorry. That, that is not scriptural. Uh, prosperity, as we've been saying, is not about money. Money can be a part of prosperity, but prosperity, in a, there, there are, life is far more prosperous than just the U.S. dollar or any other form of currency or any form of earthly possession. Uh, if you if you are blessed to have uh, some some nice things, praise God. You know those things don't need to become greater than God, and you don't need to hang on to those things tighter than you hang on to the Lord. Uh, but prosperity, we need to prosper. We need to prosper in our relationships. We need to prosper in our health. We need to prosper in our minds. We need to, our spirit prospers if we are connected to the Holy Spirit, and that's through our faith in Christ Jesus. And uh, God made a contract with us. Matter of fact, uh, two weeks ago, this is our third week in talking about this. Two weeks ago, uh, we talked about that God wants us to prosper, right? So here's the, here's the definition for prosperity. Notice it has nothing to do with money per se. It can, you can apply that to money, but you can apply it to so many other things that money can't even buy. Prosperity means to flourish, to succeed. So when I say that God wants you to prosper, it is his intention for you to flourish and to succeed, right? Rich, uh, the word rich doesn't, ha again, has nothing to do with money. It can be applied to money, but I'm, I'm trying to rewire our brains here to think bigger, think much more expansive than just money. If you limit God's provision down to simply money, you are limiting so much. God is so much greater than that, and he has so much greater means in, in which to help Meet your, meet your needs. The word rich means abundant and plentiful. And the blessings of God makes us rich, the Bible says. So it makes us abundant and plentiful. And so if you're saying, well, my checking account doesn't reflect that. There's so much more to abundance and plenty than just a checking account, okay? Uh, so kingdom prosperity, when I'm talking about kingdom prosperity or prosperity in the kingdom of God, it is this. The ability to use God's power to meet the needs of mankind in every facet of life. We have a lot of different areas of life that we operate in, and we can use the power of God, the word of God, to meet the needs of all those areas in our life. Amen? So in other words, God's taking care of you. You may be going through the fire. You, you may be going through the biggest battle of your life, but I promise God is taking care of you. So to say that God wants to prosper you or there is kingdom prosperity in his covenant is not saying that you'll never have a problem in your life. You'll never feel pain in your life. You'll never experience loss in your life. You'll never experience heartache in your life. I'm not saying that at all. Matter of fact, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. That means that if you're Dead to yourself and alive in Christ, you are alive in the overcomer of the world, which means no matter what you face, 
whether it's greatness or heartbreak, you can continue to prosper, which means to flourish and to succeed. Sometimes you have to flourish with a broken heart. (laughs) Sometimes you flourish with great strength. Sometimes you flourish when you grieve and you mourn. Sometimes you flourish when you celebrate. All of it is the flow of life. But in all of those seasons, you can prosper. Amen? All right, so we're going to get into uh, today. Last week, I talked about the fullness of the blessing. And to understand when I say God wants to bless you, what do I mean by that? It's the original blessing, and this comes from Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 27, 28. The first words uttered to Adam and Eve was actually a blessing. The first word uttered from God. He blessed them. He bestowed a blessing on them. And the blessing was this, to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue the earth, have dominion over the earth. Right? So to be fruitful, to multiply, replenish, subdue, have dominion. That's a cool blessing. Because man, if I, can, if I can have the authority to do all that within my life, I can, I can have a good life no matter what I face. <laughs> right? Whether, whether I'm having a good day or a challenging day. Well, that's, that's huge. And so God bestowed that blessing on mankind. The problem is, is when Adam and Eve failed to trust God and they disobeyed, they ate the fruit, then they, they fell into the curse, right? They fell out of the blessing. The opposite of a blessing is a curse. So they fell out of the blessing. They fell into, into the curse. They didn't have fruitfulness and multiplication. They had loss and scarcity and, and not enough, right? Uh, so they had to toil. They had to labor. So God still, his heart for mankind, his heart for his people and for his creation was for this blessing to be active in their life. So he finally chose Abram eventually. And, and in three areas, so, so we've got three areas we're going to look at today. Everyone still with me, following me? Three areas we're looking at. It's Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Genesis 17. In those three areas, God states a contract, or a, a biblical word for it is covenant. He made a covenant or a contract with Abram where he said... This blessing right here that I gave to Adam and Eve, I am going to make a contract with you that I'm going to live up to this. And all I'm asking of you is faith and obedience. Trust me and do what I tell you to do, right? So, so uh, in order to understand what we're going to go into about kingdom prosperity uh, in the coming weeks, we need to take a look at the contract. God has given us a contract, but it starts with Abram and will end showing how we are actually now attached to that contract, okay? So everyone ready for this? We're going to be like Burt Reynolds and Jerry Reed. we got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Here we go. Genesis 12, starting with chapter, Genesis 12, starting with verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, now listen, check this out. The blessing that we just talked about, the blessing from Genesis chapter 1, we can actually find at the beginning of this contract. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's house to the land I will show you. So in other words, leave everything and come with me. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. So he's going to bless them. There's the blessing. That's fruitfulness. He said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. That's multiplication, right? 
I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. So he gets to be, he's going to be so blessed that he gets to be a blessing. That's replenishing, right? I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who will curse you. God's saying, you're not even going to have to fight people. If they bless you, I'm going to bless you. If they curse you, I'm going to curse them. I'm going to subdue them. So God's taking care of subduing. So we've got fruitfulness, multiplication, replenishing, subduing. So now we need some dominion, right? I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. That gives him dominion over the whole earth, right? You get to be a blessing to the whole earth. So, so notice what Abram did. So Abram went as the Lord told him. So he was obedient. You want me to give all this up and you're going to take care of all that? Okay. So he did, right? Short order. So there we go. We've got the first time God states the blessing to Abram. Okay. Everyone still following? All right. We're going to move on. Genesis 15. Genesis 15. Now this is phenomenal. Now, who, who, it said that the Lord came to Abram in Genesis 12, right? Everyone say the Lord. Lord. Who do we call Lord? Jesus, right? He is Lord, right? Now, this is what I love about this, because he's still making this contract with Abram. Now, in the old days, if we were going to make a contract or a covenant, if Kate and I owned land beside each other, and we decide to make a covenant or a contract, and I say, Kate... If, if I'm, I, I promise I'm not going to have my, my, my herds eat on your land. You're not going to have your herds eat on my land. And if anybody attacks you, then I'll get all my people. We'll go help defend you. If, if anyone attacks me, you're going to come and, and we're going to make these agreements. Well, what we would do back then is we would take an animal. We would sacrifice that animal, right? And if I'm making the agreement with her or she's making the agreement with me or vice versa, uh, we're going to walk, the two of us would walk through the middle of we, we cut that animal in half and sacrifice. And then we would walk through the middle of it. And it would represent if we break this, con- if I break this contract, then let me, the same thing happen to me that happened to this animal. And she would walk through and say the same thing, right? And, and that, was, that was how they kind of did things back then. So check out what takes place here. This is really cool. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Now let's stop there. The word of the Lord. Who came to Abram? The word of the Lord. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing that was made was made. And in him was light, and the light was the life of men. And the light shined into the darkness, and the darkness didn't comprehend him. And then it says, And then the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld him the only begotten of the father the glory of the only begotten of the father so in other words we know that jesus christ is the word of god so who came to abram all the way back in genesis the word of god jesus the word of the lord jesus he was there matter of fact he showed up in genesis 1 at creation because in the beginning was the word right so, so here is Jesus himself. So well, I thought Jesus didn't show up till the Gospels. No, he's all throughout the Bible. So here Jesus shows up, comes to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Woo, aren't you glad that Jesus is our shield? Paul talks about taking up the shield of faith. Well, who is our faith in? Christ himself. I am your shield, your very great reward. Notice, 
These are still prosperous terms. How, how, what kind of a reward? Oh, I'm, I'm Jesus, I'm lowly, I'm your miserly little reward. No, I, I'm your great reward. Paul even talks about, uh, in Hebrews, he says, don't, give, don't throw aside your faith because it has a great reward. Well, what's the great reward? Christ. Christ is prosperity. <laughs> Not how much you got in the bank, but who do you have in your heart, Right? Verse two, but Abram said, so he says, hey, I'm your shield. Don't be afraid. I'm taking care of you. I'm your great reward. Now he said this in response, the previous chapter, Abram turned down a ton of money. There was a king that wanted to reward Abram for defending him. And he said, no, I'm not going to let you give me money because you're going to tell everyone that you made me rich and I'm just going to let God bless me. So thank you, but no thanks. So then Jesus shows up the word of God and says, hey, good job. I'm your shield. I'm your great reward, not that money, I am. So Abram says this, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. He said, Lord, you, you said that you were going to multiply me. I'm, I'm an old man. I don't even have kids. And so right now, you said you're going to bless me. Well, all that blessing is just going to go to my servant, Eleazar. So what good is it really going to do me if I have no seed, right? So this is what, then the word of the Lord, who, who's that again? <laughs> Jesus, came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Hey, you're not going to have to give it to this servant. You're going to give it to, you, you're going to have a son. Again, so a son with your own flesh and blood. Well, that's fruitfulness, right? He took him outside and said, Abraham, look up. Abraham, look up. Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. That's multiplication. <laughs> so here we have him restating the blessing. Fruitfulness, multiplication. Uh, and Abram believed and he credited it to him as righteous. So Abram had faith, right? That's the key. You got to trust him. You got to believe him. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. There we've got dominion and subduing, right? I'm going to, you get to subdue and dominate this, this territory, this land. So, uh, if, if y'all need to, go ahead and feel free to close the door. Sounds like they're having a great time and, and uh, teenage download, and that's all well and good. We, we want them to have a good time, but uh, uh, if, if we need to close these front doors, that's fine as well. Uh, so he, he also said, uh, uh, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land. Now notice he said, I, who, now who is talking here? It's Jesus. So he identifies himself as Hey, by the way, it was me that told you to leave Ur of the Chaldeans. It was me back in chapter 12 that spoke this in the first place. Isn't it crazy that it was Jesus who was crucified for us and rose again? He was orchestrating this whole story from the beginning. Isn't that wild? The very man that would, that would be the, 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 the original seed of where Jesus would come from in the flesh the word of God is orchestrating this from the beginning. That's pretty wild, isn't it? 
So we, we see the blessing still in this contract. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? You're telling me I'm going to gain possession of it. The, we, we, you, you're promising me some, some things, but, but you haven't even made a contract. So he says, so the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. So Abraham knew what was about to happen. We're about to do some sacrifices. Now, what's interesting, the reason why I highlighted that is if you go and look in Leviticus chapter 1, when God is bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt and establishing the law of Moses, uh, which was basically saying, this is how I want you to live. This is the moral code in which I want you to live. And, the, and he was establishing the sacrifices. He said, if you're going to bring a burnt offering to sacrifice on account of your sins, it's got to be from an animal from the herd or from a flock, or it can be birds, mainly pigeons and turtle doves, right? Now, why, why this is significant, and, and it's based off of this original covenant, because they weren't permitted to go catch a wild animal. Oh, I need to make a sacrifice. Let me run out and catch a wild animal, bring it in. Here, I caught this goat out on the mountain, just roaming around. I'm going to use it as a sacrifice. No, it's got to come from the herd, which the heifer would be a herd, right? A cow. Rich folk had herds. Common folk had flocks, which would be sheep, goats, rams, right? Poor people could go and purchase birds. So in other words, the, to come and sacrifice to the Lord, God wasn't worried about your financial status. He made a way for everyone, rich, middle class, poor, whoever, come to me and let's, let's sup here. Let's, let's have a covenant. Let's have some sacrifice, right? And God did not want anything sacrificed to him that didn't cost you something. In other words, you know, Jesus said, if you're going to build a tower, you're going to count the cost. You know, you're going to figure out how much it costs to build this tower. Otherwise, you're going to get halfway through, run out of money, and you can't do it. It's going to be embarrassing. And he compared it to following him. Before you say you're going to follow me, count the cost. Well, what's it going to cost us? Everything. He that loses his life gains it. So when you let go of everything in your life and say, Lord, all of it is yours. And I realize you're going to take whatever you're going to take, but it doesn't matter because I gain you. I gain everything. That's what he's trying to implement here. So he tells Moses, hey, go get these five, or I'm sorry, he tells Abram, go get these, go get these five animals. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. If you can imagine uh, looking at an aerial view, here's three big animals cut in half, and then the two birds laid out. Just like the ultimate sacrifice of the cross, right? Uh, he did not cut the birds in half. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. Ooh, that's a whole other sermon. Uh, I preached a sermon one time. These five sacrifices represented the five-fold ministry because if you're called into the ministry, that's really what happens is uh, you're really kind of sacrificing your life for the work of God. And then we need somebody to be called to the sixth ministry, and that's to shoo the birds of prey off of the five sacrifices, right? Because the birds of prey will come in and try to, try to peck at you and, you know, when you're called to ministry. Matter of fact, 
Ty doesn't even realize he did that. Friday night when I hugged you and we exchanged some words there before, before I left, you said some things to me. You didn't realize you were shooing the birds of prey that came, came at me the night before. <laughs> so, so thank you. Ty did that. He, he spoke some beautiful words to me. All right, everyone still with me? So as the sun was setting, so the sun was starting to set, Abram fell asleep. Man, God knocked him out. Whack! So you've done all you can do for this. Now, you remember, most of the time, both parties walked through the sacrifice, right? So as the sun was setting, uh, into a deep sleep, uh, he fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord, there it is again, there's Jesus again, said to him, Know certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with nothing. They're going to be in poverty. No, they will come out with great possessions. Hey, they're going to go through some trials, but they're going to come out with some good stuff, with some great possessions. So it, it's still the mindset of the kingdom that he wants you to flourish and be successful, right? Now, what is, he, what is Jesus prophesying here? He's prophesying about Egypt, about them going into slavery. Then he goes on to tell Abram this. He says, as for you, you, however, you'll go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. And the fourth generation, your, your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. The Amorites were who was occupying the promised land at the time. That's a whole other cool study that we don't have time to get into. But so what he's saying is he's giving Abram the simple terms. Okay, I'm going to do all this for you. I just need you to have faith and obey. Trust me and do what I tell you to do. Now, he didn't expound a whole lot on that because he waited until he's pulling the fourth generation out of Egypt 400 years later. And so with Moses, he expounded on, this is how you have faith and you're obedient to me. And that's what we call the law of Moses, right? He didn't, why didn't he go into all that detail with Abram? Because Abram, he knew, hey, you're going to live or it'll be a ripe old age and you're going to die right here in this country and it'll be all good. I'll, I'll bless your life. So Abram didn't have to worry about all those details, right? Make sense? Everyone still with me? All right, if you're not with me, say, oh, me. All right, All right very good. <laughs> Genesis 15, uh, starting with 17. When the sun had set, now in the, Abram had fallen asleep. Jesus had prophesied to him. Now the sun was set and a darkness had fallen. A smoking pot and a blazing torch appeared, passing between the pieces. Now, now what is that? There's a lot of commentary you can read on what the, smoke, the, the, the smoking pot, which basically would be equivalent to those of you who have the big green egg that you cook on. It's similar to that. It's, a, it's an oven that they would use. And then a, a flaming torch. There's a lot of commentaries and, and opinions on what those things represent. All of it is opinion, so we won't, we won't get into uh, detail on that. But everyone does agree that it represents the presence of God himself. Right, so, so God himself, the word of God, Christ himself made this contract because it says, on that day, the Lord made a covenant or a contract with Abram and said, to your descendants, I give this land, right? Now, let's hop to 17. We said we're gonna go do Genesis 12, uh, 15, and now 17. And this is really important. This is laying the foundation for everything we're gonna build on in the coming weeks. 
When Abram was 99, 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, now who, who keeps appearing to him? He already identified himself, Jesus, right? So Jesus <laughs> appears to him and said, I am God Almighty. In the Hebrew, it's actually, I am El Shaddai. And the more accurate uh, translation of El Shaddai is, I am the God of more than enough. You have me, you got more than what you need. I am the God of more than enough. I love it. He said, I'm the God of more than, uh, more than enough. Walk before me faithfully, in other words, full of faith, and be blameless. In other words, just do what I tell you to do. Trust me and just be obedient. Then I will make my contract, my covenant between me and you, and I will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, notice he's still talking about multiplication, all this stuff, the original blessing. So, so in the first part, verse one and two, he tells Abram, this is what I need you to do for the covenant. Trust me, be faithful and obey me, walk blameless. Trust me and do my word. So what, what was Abram's part of the covenant? Trusting him, faith and obedience. Then he says, now as for me, here's my part. This is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. There he goes again, talking multiplication. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. Now, the reason why I highlighted that H, the H in the Hebrew language is called Hashem. And that word Hashem means the name of God. So he's making a covenant with Abraham and he merged his name with Abram and he merged Hashem, and now it's Abraham. Everyone following? Why would he do that? Because it's a covenant. There's, I, you've heard me preach, there's two covenants that you have in your life. One is the covenant that God makes with us. And then there's one other covenant. It's not to your kids, it's not to your boss, it's not to your parents, it's not to your in-laws. It's to your spouse, your wife, your husband. It's to your spouse. Now, almost two years ago, uh, Erica walked down the aisle as Erica Carpenter, and we exchanged some vows and made a covenant. And then she became Erica Butler. Why? Because we went into a covenant together, and I gave her my name. So God is telling, this is what, so that's why marriage is so important and why we pray and fight for marriages, because it's, it's a representation on the earth with this beautiful covenant that God made with us. God's telling Abram, I'm marrying you, son. I'm going to marry you. And matter of fact, I, I ain't never divorcing you. Because we're going to see that. He goes, he said, Abraham, I'm, now you're going to be Abraham. You're taking my name. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. There we have fruitfulness. We've got multiplication. It's still the blessing. I will make nations of you and kings. There we are. Kings have dominion, right? There we are. It's part of the original blessing. I will make kings and kings will come from you. I will establish this covenant, this contract as an everlasting covenant. I ain't never divorcing you, boy. You are stuck with me. I'm just asking you to trust me and do what I tell you to do. And I'm going to do all this stuff for you. Between me and you and your descendants. Everyone say your descendants. I'm going to show you how that's talking about you here in a few minutes. After, after you for the generations to come. 
to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where, you're, where you reside as a foreigner will give, uh, I'll give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep. Now he's saying, he's explaining, this is, this is what I need you to do. Every male amongst you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Now, circumcision is the removal of excess flesh in a very intimate, private place that deals with multiplication. Everyone following? I'm trying to be as church-friendly as I can, right? So everyone take a big, deep breath. All right. Now, what Paul goes on to say, let me get to my notes so I make sure I'm not going to stumble on this, right? Romans chapter 2, 25 through 29 tells us that Paul is saying that we are circumcised in the heart. So there is excess flesh in our heart that is removed. Now, he says that we are circumcised in the heart by the spirit. So not so much this written code that, that Moses expounded on, but we are circumcised. When, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, he starts removing more of you so that more of Christ can be imminent in your life, right? And, and so he says, that's what he's telling, uh, he's telling the Jews he's, that, that are in Rome, he, he's, because some of the Jews were upset that these Gentiles were coming in, they were getting saved, they hadn't been circumcised like Jews. And he goes, no, 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 he says, the Holy Spirit circumcises, all right. he's, and, he, and he goes on to say, he says, if a man is not physically circumcised, but yet he is showing the fruit of the Spirit, he's obeying the word of God, that's showing that he is circumcised in the heart by the Spirit. That's what God is after. Everything physical was only supposed to represent what was supposed to take place physically or, or spiritually. And so you would have generations of people that would go through the physical process, but they were still disobedient to God. So they really weren't truly circumcised in the, in the, in the true form. And yet that was God's heart. I'm going to show you the scripture real quick. This is right before they enter into the promised land. Everyone still with me? Still with, I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture out, but follow me here. The Lord, this Deuteronomy 36, the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? That's really what God wanted all along. This shows that God's desire for the removal of excess flesh or our desire was to be a matter of the heart, not just following rules. His covenant is about willing submission and trust. Amen? So, all right, so we're about to wrap up this little covenant talk here. God said, of, uh, said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you're no longer going to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. There's that H again, or Hashem. He combined his name. He said, I'm marrying Sarah as well. I'm entering into an everlasting covenant with her. I will, here we go, I will bless her and surely give, what's the blessing? Remember, fruitfulness, multiply, all that stuff. I will give her a son, give you a son by her. Well, that's fruitfulness. I will bless her that, so that she will be the mother of nations. There's multiplication. Kings of people will come from her. That's dominion. If you have dominion, you have the right to replenish and you have the right to subdue. So that's all kind of encompassed in dominion. So there it is, the original blessing. He made a contract, right? So how does this impact us? How do we get in? And we're going to wrap up real quick. Everyone say Hallelujah. So he's finally wrapping up. 
Here we go. How does this apply to us? This is what's so awesome. Because this is, okay, he made this contract with Abram, the father of the Jews. This is a covenant. Matter of fact, I had someone this week say, the covenant was for the Jews. Why are you preaching about that? Right? Because of this, Romans 11, 17 through 18. But some of these branches from Abram's, Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. And you Gentiles, how many non-Jews do we have in the house today? I'm one. It's not so bad because I had bacon yesterday, so that's a good thing, right? Praise God for that. So it does have its perks. But some of these branches, so, and that you Gentiles were branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So now you also receive what? The blessing. What's the blessing? Fruitfulness, multiplication, replenishing, subduing, dominion. That blessing that God put into a contract with Abram. He said, now you now receive the blessing God had promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the suffering and the lowliness. No, and the rich nourishment from the root of God, uh, God's special olive tree. Then he goes on in verse 18, he says, but you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You are just a branch, not the root. He is the root. So we don't, you know, we can't puff our chest and, you know, brag and all that stuff and see ourselves as anything better. Uh, it's by his grace. And now, now if I'm going to teach something, I need to give you at least two scriptures on it. To, now there's tons more scriptures, but here's another scripture because by, you have to have two witnesses to establish a truth, right? So here are two scriptures that are basically saying, hey, we are now grafted in, right? Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with what? The same blessing. What's the blessing? Let's all say it. Fruitfulness, multiplication, replenishing, subduing, having dominion. Woo, what a cool blessing. The, so we've been blessed with that same blessing he promised to who? Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith, which today is the day of Pentecost, which we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So with all this, we have access to live in the fullness of the blessing because of our faith in Christ Jesus. What gives us the right, what gives Jesus the right to tell us if you have faith in my death, burial, or resurrection, and you obey my words, if you believe in your heart that I rose again and you confess with your mouth that I am Lord, then you now have access to this blessing. What gives him the right? Because he is the one that wrote the contract in the first place. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And not only that, another word for contract or covenant is testament. He's the one that wrote the original covenant, the original or the Old Testament. And he's also the one who wrote the new covenant, the New Testament, it's not uh, by new, it's, it, it was birthed out of the original bloom. I, I, I grew lettuce one time in my, my uh, I used to do uh, raised gardens. And the first time I grew lettuce, I didn't really have a concept of, you don't have to plant it all on the same day, right? Because <laughs> you want to space it out. So I had this incredible crop of lettuce. So I was trying to eat salads all the time, right? <laughs> because I didn't want this lettuce to go bad. It was the weirdest thing. It was like something alien, like a beautiful head of lettuce. And then all of a sudden, another shoot would come out of it and another head would start growing, right? Because it's like, if you're not going to pick me, I got to keep growing, right? 
Well, that's basically what happened. God had this original contract, and then Christ allowed another shoot to come up out of the same contract, and that's our contract. Think about it. Jesus Christ is the only man to write a last will and testament. Die, because you can't issue that will until there's death, and then rise again and probate it himself. Woo! Isn't that awesome? That's how wild and assured God wants you to prosper. And he wants you to prosper to the point. Say, I'm not saying that everyone's going to be millionaires. And I wish you were. <laughs> because then you could be such a blessing. But, but the truth is, you're really gazillionaires. Or what any other word or you can think of that would you know, be just too massive to imagine. Because every need you have, the Bible says that he meets all your needs according to his riches and glory. Every need you have is taken care of if you walk in faith and do what he tells you to do. He's going to work it out in the best way. So don't stress out because, well, God, I want you to work it out this way. No, just let it, let it go. He will work it out the best way. And he made a contract with you. He signed a contract. He was the one who split, who, who walked through the middle of it, and he's the one who allowed himself to be split on the cross, and he went in and he walked through the middle of the veil <laughs> to rip it open. Signed, sealed, delivered. This is our inheritance, and it's prosperity. It is to flourish and to succeed in every circumstance that we're in. So there's no need for us to be depressed. There's no need for us to be down. Let's all stand. There's no need for us to be defeated. There's no need for us to give up. If you get a chance, go out, look on the Facebook page. I stuck a graphic out there. I said, if you felt like you came to the end of your rope, tie a knot in it, an N-O-T. This is not the end. I will not be defeated. God cannot fail me, <laughs> right? Tie a knot in it. God, God wants you to prosper in his kingdom, and he made a, not only, did, not only does he speak a blessing over you, he made a contract so that you can be assured that that blessing is yours. Amen. Uh, so next steps, let's talk about that real quick. Next steps, this is, what you, this is your homework assignment this week. Read, review, and meditate on these scriptures this week. How are you gonna do that? Well, if you'll join Slack, <laughs> that's a, another shameless plug for the app Slack, where we do all of our in-house communication. Uh, if you'll join Slack every week, I put my notes out. Uh, so, so all the notes that, that I just taught from, that's got all these scriptures on it, I'll stick out there with all my little uh, notations and all that stuff. And you guys can have a chance to look at it. Matter of fact, if I preach something and you're like, I don't know about this stuff. Well, I, I'm going to give you my notes and that way you can go chew on it yourself and, and, and see what the Lord tells you. Uh, but... Re review them, meditate on them, let them get from your head into your heart. In other words, just not head knowledge, but start believing it. Discuss them with friends, families, neighbors, just talk about it, chew on it. 2 Corinthians 4.13 tells us because we believe and we also speak. Uh, so we, we're going to believe these things and speak these declarations out this week. Uh, these are the de declarations I challenge you to speak every day this week. Today, I acknowledge the contract of the blessing. I claim my right to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish, to subdue, and to have dominion over every aspect of my life. 
I trust in God completely because he made a contract with me. Amen. Isn't that awesome? God made a contract with you. Amen. And so, so the only question you have to ask yourself is, is God a liar? And if the answer is no, that he's always honest, well, then you have, you have nothing to worry about. That's the one thing you've got to settle in your heart. Will God lie to me? And if he, if he can't lie to you, then he's not, he's not going to let you go. He's not going to disappoint you. If you're disappointed, it's only because you didn't let go of what your own desire was. Well, God, you didn't show up over here. Oh, he's showing up, but he has a bigger plan than that, right? Amen. Let's all pray, and we're going to sing one more time together. Father, I love you, and I praise you. Thank you for your contract. Thank you, Lord, for your covenant, your promise with us, that if we'll just have faith, and if we'll just believe, you've got so much in, in way of provision and looking after us and making sure we can walk in victory. We just bless you today. We thank you. If there's anyone under the sound of my voice that's never received you as Lord and Savior, uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you lead them to believe in your resurrection, Christ, and to confess you as Lord Jesus. We thank you today, and we just glorify you. Let me, let me bless you, and we're going to sing together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In Jesus' name.